Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Tony, would you stand up and God ask, ask God's blessing on the message today? Now, the book of Proverbs has and will define for us what a fool is. It'll also define for us what a wise man is. We've talked about it before, but we've never got into detail on it. And today we will see why that a fool can never get to the wisdom of God and get the truth of God. You know, all my ministry, and this is true of every pastor uh, in every church, all my ministry, and I'm sure every pastor would agree with this, you will have people who just will never get it. They'll never get satisfied with what they have, and they're always going to have issues in their life about something. And the truth of God's Word, uh, they, uh, they need to get, to get right, they just never will. They'll never be able to grasp the truth of it. That you, you can lay it out for them, you can give it to them, you can tell them what to do, you can show them every aspect of it, but they just fundamentally... They're a fool, and as a fool, they can't ever get to the truth of God because as a fool, it's too high for them. And, you know, fundamentally in the Bible, uh, a fool is an unsaved man. Doctrinally, it's the nation of Israel. And, you know, in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, a foolish man is someone who sees the truth and rejects it. A wise man is someone who sees the truth and receives it and then has the blessings of God in his life. And fundamentally, in a practical way, even though it's dealing with Israel in a doctrinal sense, it's talking about shaved and unshaved people. An unshaved man can't ever get to the knowledge of God because it's too high for him. There's too many things obstructing him to get it. And a shaved man, uh, he gets the truth and he hangs on to the truth because he realizes what he has. But in a real practical approach, in a, in a, and that may be true in a perfect world, but in the world that we live in of Christianity, I want to tell you, you have within the body of Christ shaved fools and, unshaved, and shaved wise people. It's just that simple. It would be nice, clean, and cut if we could just say all the fools were unsaved and all the wise were saved. But if you've dealt with people or you've ever been in the ministry, you know that just is not true. You'll find that some of God's people do the stupidest stuff you ever saw in your life. They're fools. And Proverbs is an incredible book. It's filled with the truth that will help you and me in all areas of our life. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we are told that the book of Proverbs will help us in all the issues of life. And in its most basic format, yes, it's just a story about two men. A wise man who gets the truth of God, he hangs on to it because he knows what he has, and the foolish man, and the fool can never get to it. He remains a fool all of his life. Now, let me say this so we stay on the same page together. We all are fools from time to time. We all do stupid things from time to time. So when I'm talking about a fool, you're maybe sitting out there, I don't want you to start beating yourself up just yet. <laughs> you're, you're putting yourself in that category and say, well, I made a dumb choice last week, or I made a dumb choice, you know, a year ago, or I made a four or five bad choices so far in my life. I'm not talking about that. We all are fools from time to time. 
I'm talking about a career fool. I'm talking about a man or woman who uh, all of their life, uh, you know, they pursue uh, the aspect of being a fool. In fact, if you looked in Craigslist and there was a job for a village idiot, they could get it. (laughs) And in the book of Proverbs, you will find eight characteristics of a fool. A fool defined, should I say. And one of, uh, one of them will be, and, and each one of them will be a piece of the total picture of in God's mind what constitutes a fool. And then you'll also see why God's wisdom is so high for them that they can't ever get it. Man said to a foolish man one time, you embrace foolishness as if it were a virtue. Why is that? And that's an excellent observation. Because the book of Proverbs will show you eight reasons why a fool can never get the truth or the wisdom or the understanding of God. It's as our text says, it's just (laughs) too high for them. If you want to see uh, what in God's eyes, by his definition, constitutes a fool, here's where you go. If you want on the reverse side of that, go to God and find out his mindset or what a wise man is, they're in there too. And he lays it out wise and foolish for two basic reasons. One, so you and I can see them and in our own lives first and fix it so we don't become that career fool, so to speak. The second reason is that he puts it in there so you and I can see the people that are going to be negative in our lives through association because fools breed other fools and you need to stay away from it. And the book of Proverbs tells you that over and over again. In some case, people wind up marrying them. And of course, we know where that leads. Now let's look at these and talk about them. And remember now our text. Wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. Now first off, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says that a fool will despise wisdom. It says... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The first characteristics that you're going to find with a fool is he's unteachable. You can't teach him anything. All my life, all my ministry, I've had people that you couldn't teach them anything. They thought they knew everything about everything, or they didn't know anything about anything and didn't care to learn. But in either case, they come to the point where they're unteachable. They will not discipline themselves to learn uh, or to study. The Bible talks about them. He calls them a sluggard. He calls them lazy. He calls them slothful. And, uh, you know, he refuses to take instruction. Proverbs 15, 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction. You're going to find that a lot of kids, teenagers, that's what we have at camp. It's one of the things we tried to fix last week. A kid gets to the point where they're girl and boy, where they're 14, 15, 16 years old, and now they suddenly uh, think that they know more about life than, than mom and dad does. And where you could control them when they were four, five, and six, now they're at the point where they're exercising their authority, they're exercising their rebellion, they're making it very clear that they don't care for anything that you've got to say to them. you got your hands full. And that comes to the point where they think that every kid gets that. I was the same way. I came to the place where I I thought my father was a fool and my father was stupid when I was 15, 16, 17, and 18. When I got to be 19, 20, and 21, I couldn't figure out how he got smart so fast. (laughs) 
truth of the matter is he was smart all the time. I was the problem. And your parents will know more about life than you do. I'm not always saying they'll give you the best advice, and maybe they won't be the best example. But in the issues of life, they know more about it than you do. And a kid who gets to be 14, or, you know, it's always true of kids that are rebellious kids. You ever notice how that they want to go out and live like the world? They want to drink all the world. They want to run with the worldly crowd. But mom, when they want their clothes washed, they come back to you. When they're hungry, they come back to your table, dad. They live under the house that you provide by your hard work. They want the world system the way they want it, but they don't want the responsibility that comes along with it. And as long as a parent will put up with that and do that, then they're going to get taken advantage of. I had a guy one time tell his kid he was rebellious and he wanted to come back and the dad said, uh-uh. He said, you know what? And the devil takes care of you so good and he's so worth serving that you let him feed you. Now that's a good advice, but that's what the verse is saying. And we see kids all the time that grow up, they begin to get that little rebellious spirit in them, they get with the wrong crowd through association, and pretty soon they think they know about more life than mom and dad. And that's where the conflict comes in. And that's where the problems are going to come in. And it's, it's just a simple, a fool will despise wisdom. He won't take instruction. You know, people uh, with the Bible, uh, you know, you can show them. I've had them where I've showed them a thousand times what they needed to do. I went through the issues in their life over and over and over and over again. They just won't follow it. And there's a reason for that, and I, I alluded to it a little earlier. You know, you can look back in history, and you can look at different parts of American history, and it's associated with different ages. Back in the 1800, we made tremendous strides in crops and growing and farming. And so it became known as the agricultural age. Around the 1900s, we became great at, at production. Uh, the steel mills were booming. This is where they built great ships. The Titanic was built uh, along that particular time frame. And uh, most people don't know that there was a sister ship that was just like the Titanic that was called the Gigantic. And uh, it later got changed to Britannica, which has to do with England because they just, everybody wanted to forget about the Titanic, which I understand. But around 1900, we entered in what was called the Industrial Age. In the 1940s to the 1980s, we entered into the Information Age. We now could send telephones and all this stuff and cell phones. And shoot, I remember, I, I remember back in the, my day in the 60s and the 70s watching Star Trek when Kirk just flipped out that little thing and talked into it and beamed, got beamed up. Now, you, most of you are way past Star Trek. I'm the only one here still got a flip phone. You got an iPhone. I'm not there yet. I, I got a flip phone, and I just, every time I do it, I hope in one of these days I just say, Lord, beam me up, and I can trigger the rapture. But so far it hasn't happened. <laughs> but it's just that simple. That was the information age. And now, you know, as we, we moved on a little bit farther and we got into it in about the 1970s, we got into the space age. And today, as I said a little earlier, 2000 to 2018, we've entered into the cyber age. And in the cyberspace age, there's no truth. Nothing's real. 
We play video games and people die who never existed. We, uh, we watch television shows and watch movies that are all about something that isn't real. We'll waste 100,000 tears going to see a sad movie over some guy who loses his wife or some wife. I could never watch the movie Marley. I'm sorry. I, I just couldn't watch the movie Marley. Anybody know what the movie Marley is all about? What a stupid dog. And I don't even know how it goes, but I know the dog dies at the end. That's all I need to know. I don't watch Animal, animal Planet on the TV. When they have those animal ERs, I can't deal with it. I, I just can't. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And I, I just, and, and yet, you know, we, we, we cry. I just save my tears. I'm not going to waste it. You know, that dog, Marley, is probably somewhere in a $5,000, 5,000-square-foot 5, doghouse now, you know, eating you know, caviar and everything like that, and we're weeping over the thing. A guy dies, and his, his wife's crying, and, and, and we're all crying, and, and they're at the bank cashing a check for the movie. It's not real. And I'll tell you what, we have spent so many tears crying on things that aren't real, we lose our tears and can't cry over the things that are real, somebody dying going into hell. That's the cyber age we live in. You kids, you get addicted to your, to your little games. It's just as much as addiction as marijuana or heroin or, or whatever. It's an addiction. You can't put it down. You get on your friends on the phone and you get out, play it all the time, all night long, all day long. And you know what? If you spent half that time in your Bible, you'd be something for God. But you're a cyberspace man. You live in a world that doesn't exist. You fight battles that nobody cares. You get in there and walk down there with whatever the weapon your choice is, pointing at, you know, and German soldiers stand up and you'll shoot him and you'll get a score and you'll win. And all the time you're doing that, probably what? 140,000 souls just stepped out into eternity. That battle was lost, but you won the virtual reality battle. I wonder how that'll play out at the judgment seat of Christ. You think he'll just throw you a video control box and say, show me what you got? But that's where we're at. We don't live in the real world. You know why? Truth is gone. There is no truth. So we now live in a world that doesn't exist. We, we, we just do. And that's, you know, I, I've seen husbands with their wives be, be the same thing as this verse. I've showed them what they needed to do to get their family fixed or get their wife fixed. I, I've said to one guy one time, you know what? You need to come to church no matter that your wife uh, is, is where she's at right now. She's upset with you because you're not the spiritual leader. You need to show who you are going to be the spiritual leader. You need to come to Bible study. You need to sit down there. You need to open up your Bible. And you need to let everybody in your family see you're really digging into the Word of God. He said, okay, that's what I'll do. Came right down those steps. Came into this room. His wife was, didn't know he was here or coming or whatever. Didn't have a seat for him. Got his feelings hurt. Turned around and left. That's real spiritual leadership. What, she, what he should have done is just found a seat, sat down, open up that Bible, and go to work. But that's where we're at today. He's a fool. And fools can't get the truth. Too high for them. They can't get there. The second thing, Proverbs 10, 18, a fool will take a, a talk about others, people, you know, gossip, and they'll slander. You know, Proverbs 10, 18 says, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Some people will lie about others to, to damage their reputation. 
A lot of people, most people today that we live in, they'll hear something about somebody. They'll never, never care if there's two sides to every story. They'll never care that the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that he that answer a matter before he heareth it, it's, he's a fool and foolishness unto him. They just drink the Kool-Aid, believe what is said, and that's where they're at. And so they go through their whole life painting the wrong picture about somebody simply because they're a fool. Sometimes they'll, they'll slander somebody to make themselves look good at the expense of somebody else. That happens a lot. Others just will be an out-and-out gossiper. They're like a woman one time in a church of a pastor I knew that he preached on gossip. And this woman he had in the church was a tremendous gossip. Worst gossip you ever saw in your life. She came down, everybody was getting right with God, and he saw her come down the aisle, and he thought, here comes sister so-and-so, and she says to him, Pastor, I'm the biggest gossip in this church. He said, amen, sweetheart. She says, I want to lay my tongue on the altar of God. He looked back at her and said, we're going to need a bigger altar. <laughs> we should always build each other up. When you hang out with somebody, they ought to leave you better than they found you. We can all point out each other's issues. Unless, I mean, come on now. I mean, is there anybody here that, that, lives, that lives in a glass house that doesn't have a lot of rocks laying around your foundation? And I'm telling you, everybody's got their problems. You don't help people unless you're in a position that you're working with them just by slandering them or gossiping in them when God is using them. But that's where we're at today. A lot of jealousy in Christianity. And we should always build each other up. I don't have time for people whining about somebody else. I, I really don't. I mean, there are some legitimate issues that I have to deal with and you have to deal with because we work together and you know what I mean and how that thing goes. We've done it for a long time now. But you know, just the fact that you don't like something. Just the fact you don't like some people. God's people complain about everything. They do. And you can't make them happy. You can't. So you just preach the truth and let the chips fall where they may. I was making sure the air conditioning was on back there. And Gail came back to me and she said, you know that's not hooked up. And she was making a reference to the story I told that in every church, a pastor, if you want to make people happy, the first thing you do is put a thermostat on the wall. Don't hook it up to nothing and put a shine. Set this where you feel comfortable. Everybody will go and set it where they think it's wanted. They won't change a thing, but they'll be happy. <laughs> the third thing, Proverbs 14, 9. A fool will make mock and make fun of sin. 14, 9 says, fools make a mock of sin, but among the righteous there is favor. You know, fools will commit sin Lightfully, cheerfully. They'll tell jokes and, and laugh at other people's hardships. There isn't a tragedy in this country that doesn't happen that 15 years later somebody didn't have a joke about it. They'll tell dirty stories and jokes and laugh at it if it was not sin. They'll drink toast to their health, to their friends, to social occasions. And to them the whole world is a party. On Friday and Saturday night, they'll laugh at Bible believers. They'll laugh at you for believing you have the Bible. They'll laugh at preachers. They'll laugh at me. They'll laugh at going to church and tell you how stupid it is. Well, church is just for old ladies and kids. 
Well, you'll scream that out in hell for about 100 million years, and then know you've got that much more time to go. It'll be okay. You know, they laugh at God himself. They use God's name as a cuss word. Well, they'll talk about God to damn this or Jesus Christ this, and people look at that. I know why they do it, because a man like that wants to feel like he's got some kind of authority. So when he wants to make a statement, he'll call upon the highest name in this universe at authority what he says. That's how it works, you little wimp. It's exactly how it works. They'll invent words to give sin credibility. When I was growing up, we had bums. We had a place downtown called Skid Row. Skid Row is where the bums were. We don't have any bums anymore. Now we have transients. Sounds nice. Almost want to be one. We used to have drunks. We don't have drunks anymore. We have chronic alcoholics. Nice. We used to have dope heads. We don't have dope heads anymore. We have substance abusers. We dress it up. We don't want it to be sin. We want it to be a sickness like the flu or a cold that you're not responsible for because in the world that we live in where there's no truth, the next thing that goes is you're not responsible for anything. It's always somebody else's fault. So we'll talk about a sinful lifestyle is just self-expression. We'll talk about adultery and fornication as consenting adults. We'll talk about illicit relationships as soulmates. There's only one soulmate you should have, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. Everybody else comes in the back door after that one. Kind of like that, come in the back door after that one. I just thought that up as I was standing here. I thought I'd say it. We don't have any more homosexuals or lesbians. We have alternative lifestyles. We have transgenders. We have happy hour. We have a progressive society. You know what a progressive society is? It's one that's getting farther and farther away from the Word of God and sending everybody to hell. How's that for a progressive? Fools make a moccasin. They'll do it and laugh at it and move on and think there's nothing wrong with it. It's the way it works. Fourth one. Proverbs 17.10, a fool will resist punishment for correction. Bible says a reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. You know what he's saying? He says you can beat a fool a hundred times for the same thing and they'll never get it. Why? Because he's oblivious. When you have no truth in your life, you have no gauge to gauge anything by. And that's what made you a fool. Not only can you not teach him nothing, but he refuses correction. It's one of the big four that the Bible is profitable for in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instructions in righteousness. In other words, when a wise man gets into the Bible, he gets instructions. You know what the instruction is? It's found right there. The Bible says it's profitable for doctrine. That's showing you what is right. 
The Bible says it's profitable for reproof. That's showing you what's wrong. Then it's profitable for correction. It's showing you how to fix what's wrong. And then it's profitable for instruction and righteousness. Now it's going to show you how to keep what you fixed from going back where it was. That's for a wise man. Fool. <laughs> Oblivious. He'll never learn from his mistakes because he has no sense of truth. He has nothing in his life that is an anchor to show him the difference between the right way and the wrong way. And he doesn't want to learn it. Life to him is just one big party. Bible says in Psalm 14:1, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. You know, we live in a world, a fantasy world of illusion. There's no God, there's no truth, and there's no reality. It's like the book of Judges. There's no king in Israel, and every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, a fool is right in his own eyes. You know, there's not much difference from an unsaved man who says there is no God at all and a saved man who lives his life like there is no God at all. In our minds, we think there's a difference. But in reality, there is no difference between the man who says, there is no God, than the Christian who lives his life like there is no God. But in the world of virtual reality, we think there is. The fifth one, Proverbs 17, 24. A fool is never satisfied with what he has. It says in that verse, wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are to the ends of the earth. His life is all about him or her and what they want. Their material possessions. They will brag about how much money they make. They will brag about their boat, their motorcycle, their car, their house, their lake house, how important they are, who he knows or they know, uh, what he does. Uh, he will buy the best there is and actually think that spending a lot of money and having a lot of expensive things will really make you a better person. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with any of those things. You got a boat, I'm glad for you. Hope it doesn't sink. You got a, you got a nice car, good, I got one. You got a nice house, good, I got one. You got, uh, you got a good job, make a lot of money, good, I'm glad for you. But those things will never be the things that make you who you are. And the fool, his whole life is about himself. They don't care about their kids. They don't care about their wife. They don't care about their husband, in a lady's case. All they want to do is find their pursuit of happiness. Whoever they hurt in the process never comes into it. They will lie. They will deceive. They will cheat. They will do whatever they have to do to pursue what they want. And they don't care if they lose their kids, they lose their marriage, they lose their ministry, or whatever they lose. As long as they get what they want. That's a fool. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, he that dies with the most toys wins. He that dies with the most toys wins. Yeah, I know. I went out and bought one, got it on the back of my truck. I want to tell you something. This is my own deal. I think you can tell the temperature of America or any nation simply by looking at the bumper stickers. Bumper stickers tell you where it's at. I, I ain't kidding you. 
My favorite one is that skull with a green beret on it with a snake coming in out the eyes and the mouth and underneath it says, kill them all, let God sort them out. I think that's a good one. I'd like to have one of those. Somebody put one on my truck about a union not too long ago. I know who did it. One time I, I working at a church and I believed the King James Bible was the Word of God and uh, the pastor there didn't. But we had a good relationship and he didn't bother me much and it was fine and he liked the results and everything like that. And I remember one time we had a staff meeting and he said that somebody was putting these little round sticker things that said the King James Bible, the Bible that God loves and the devil hates and they were putting them through throughout the church and he was pretty upset about it in the staff meeting and obviously blamed me because I was the only one or one of my idiots out there that was doing it, you know. And uh, it really perplexed me. I, 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 and they were showing up everywhere. They were putting them inside the hymnals. They were putting them in the, you know how you put them in the restroom. Well, it's better than some of the things you read in the restroom, but it was still, in the, you know. And, and, they, and, and, and I was perplexed, and, and I, I was getting flack for it. And I was looking at my people. I mean, I have a lot of good people, but it's like here. I have a lot of good people, but every once in a while you get a, you get a the village idiot that's, that will do something dumb. You know, you're not insensitive. And somebody was obviously putting these around, and I was taking the heat for it. I, I come out one day to go home, and I used to have a, a Jeep back then. It was real neat, camouflage, big old tires on it, you know. And, and uh, I went in there, and on my steering wheel column was one of them stickers. And I'm thinking, who in the world is doing this? So I walked back in, and there was a guy there who, remember Jim Bruce that used to come here? Yeah. Well, Jim and I, Bruce, go back 40, 45 years. And he was back in the day with me. In fact, I learned that you don't tell Jim Bruce just something to do without being specific. He went to camp with me one time 35, 40 years ago down in Warsaw, Missouri. I always took him with me because I always liked him and I always gave him a little thing to do because, you know, he was kind of a social guy and, and I always wanted to make him feel kind of special. So I took him with me everywhere I went. And he really did little things for me. So this night, I'm, it's been the first day at camp and I'm busy and Jim, he, Jim shows up and, you know, he's always military. He says, he, he, got, he invented the word Kai-Ai. Kai-Ai was a special forces term that when you did something, you did, so he'd always say, Kai-Ai, you know, and I'd say, I called him Kai-Ai for a while, and he says, Kai-Ai, sir, what are my instructions? And I, I don't have anything for him to do. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to go to bed. And I said, Jim, I said, just keep an eye on the camp, you know, for me tonight, and just keep an eye on things, and, you know, in my mind, go to bed. Next morning, I get up, it's oh, dark 30, 6 o'clock, went out there. Jim was still walking around the camp. <laughs> He thought I meant stay up all night and watch the camp. <laughs> You're laughing, but I wish I could get you to follow orders like that. <laughs> well, I walked into church, and I saw Jim there. And I said, Jim, I said, how long have you been here? He says, Kai, I said, never mind the Kai, I stuff. How long have you been here? He said, oh, I've been here about an hour waiting for so-and-so. I said, did you see anybody around my Jeep? Or did you go over to my Jeep? Did you see anybody around that Jeep? He says, 
No, he says, the only one I saw was the pastor. The pastor was putting them around and blaming me for it. Now, I'm okay with that because I understand. It was a little fun joke. We, we, I, he, was, he wasn't doing it to be, be, he was doing it because he thought it was funny. And I get it. I'm okay with that. But you know what? You pull out your sword with me and I'll pull out mine and we're going to go to war. So he was a big guy down in Springfield. And he always drove this big Continental. And so I got me a bumper sticker. He never looked at anything on his car. He just got in and drove it because he's, you know, everybody else took it. He didn't even put gas in it. Somebody else gassed it up for him. So I got this bumper sticker with this big skull with a green beret on it with a big snake. It said, kill them all, let God sort them out. And I put it right on the back of his bumper. <laughs> and then I shellacked over it to seal it that you could never get it off. Now, I wasn't there, but his secretary, who was my buddy, told me later that he drove down to the big fellowship meeting in Springfield. <laughs> Back in the day, and all these guys are dead now, Dr. Dow, president of Baptist Bible Fellowship, Dr. Cavan, all the biggies, and with this, my, this guy, they're all there hobnobbing together, and uh, they had a great service, the pastor pro preached, and they're all walking out to go to eat, and they're walking up to his car. The biggest names, excuse me, the biggest buffoons in Bible Christianity are walking there, talking about the Lord, what a great night we had, and walked up to there, to the back of his car, and there on the back of his car was, kill them all, let God sort them out. You mess with me, and I will gut you like a deer. He never figured it out. At least I don't think he did. If he did, he didn't say anything about it. Bumper stickers will tell you what the temperature of the planet is. I saw one the other day. It says, honk if you love Jesus. I immediately thought it would be much better to say tithe if you love Jesus. <laughs> A lot of things in the world don't make sense to me. We have French fries. French fries weren't made in France. Somebody's lying to us. I have Labrador retrievers at home. They're not from Labrador. Somebody's lying to us. I never understood why you drive on a parkway and park in a driveway. Somebody's lying to us. And a fool will never be satisfied with what they have. They want that, all the toys in life. They actually live there. I know. I saw a guy one time on YouTube that, that he died, and they buried him on his Harley. They put him on the back of a truck, embalmed with his leathers on, with his helmet, on the back of his Harley, drove him through town, didn't have a casket, on a Harley, and then dug a big hole and buried him, lowered him down in there on his Harley, like it's going to go somewhere. Like you're going to use it in the, that's what the Egyptians did. They used to put boats and food and servants for the afterlife. That's a fool. That's a fool that has got a complete reversal of the reality and the truth of life. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 8, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now the sixth thing, Proverbs 20, verse 3. 
a fool will be a busybody, always meddling in somebody else's business. That verse says, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. The more you meddle, the more problems you cause. I know some of you don't understand this. I really do. But there's some things that are none of your business. Amen. That's just, I, I know that's hard for you to grasp because you think everything's your business. I mean, uh, your last name must be Hoover because you have a vacuum cleaner Christianity. <laughs> you suck up everything that's out there. And a fool is want to know what's going on with everybody. And, you know, and I know there are times that we have to share information because we're helping people. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're talking to somebody over there and they walk away and that person goes, what was that all about? <laughs> You've been there? Yeah, yeah, I know. What's going on with so-and-so? They hate you. That whole conversation was about you. Your hair looks like the north wind did it, your breath smells really offensive, and your, your eyelashes are falling off. Other than that, everything was fine. <laughs> A child of God who has wisdom will not care about what's going on with others other than if they're working with that person and trying to help them. A, a, a wise person will realize that we have enough problems of our own. If you bring me your problems, I don't know how many times somebody will say, what's going on with so-and-so? Do you know what happened? I say, none of my business. Amen. None of my business. Amen. Somebody will say, well, what do you think about so-and-so's kid? None of my business. Amen. If you don't come to me with the problem, I ain't sticking my nose in your problem. Amen. I told you, I killed my white horse many, many years ago. Shot that sucker right in the head. <laughs> I used to charge in, try to solve every problem in the world. First, I found out I was greatly outnumbered, and second, I found out I was greatly unwanted. <laughs> so I just... What do you think of that? None of my business. What do you, what, 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 what do you really think about that? You know what? I think if you want to get your limit in squirrels, you've got to get in the woods before the sun comes up. That's what I think. And if you see one of them little furry-tailed suckers and you take a shot at him and miss him, if you stay real still and wait about 20 minutes, he's so stupid he'll come out again. That's what I think. In other words, none of my business. What do you think? I think it takes a big grasshopper eat a bale of hay. That's what I think. <laughs> a fool will always have to know everything that's going on with everybody. They'll always keep things stirred up because they live for drama. And they like to be the key player in the drama. They will always be fixed on issues where others uh, are looking to fix the issues. And that's what we ought to be doing. What well, a seventh thing. Proverbs 26.11 says, A fool keeps going back to their sin. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Now, I know vomit's not a very good word, and if I had a new translation, we put in regurgitate, make you feel better. <laughs> if you got the modern world translation, it would be up Chuck, but too many guys are named Chuck, and they get confused of who they're talking about, so they don't go there. A fool will never learn from his mistakes he, he's, because there's no sense of truth. They claim to have it, but you know, the real claiming that you got the truth is it changes something in your life. 
their life is filled with bad choices, and they just keep making worse bad choices. It's a constant returning to the bad choices of life. And they're breaking that cycle of bad choices, a fool can't ever do it. I'm sorry. See, bad choices is a learned behavior. Bad choices are something that you've conditioned yourself to do. So for a fool just to, you know, stay with that cycle of his stronghold, he can never break out. Because it's going to take something supernatural to get him out of it, and he can't get it because it's too high to him. And when a fool despises wisdom and instructions, and you want to, you can't teach him anything, all you can do is get out of his way. Hey, there are people who I have said, I love you, I care about you, I think you're a fine gal, a fine guy, I think you're great. But you know what? I just got to get out of your way. You are headed for a disaster, and I, I'm not going to get pulled out in it. I'm sorry. They have no reference of truth, so they just keep on going back to their sin. And then the eighth thing, Proverbs 28, 26. A fool will trust in his own heart. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh uprightly, he shall be delivered. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. What a great verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You never trust in your own heart for anything. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that our heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked, and who can know it? We need to get God's heart, but a fool can't do that. It's too high for him. So he follows his own heart, follows his own conscience, follows his own, you know, spirit, uh, whatever. And they have a ton of words for that. Well, I'm a kindred spirit. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a free spirit. No, you're a fool. Now, these eight characteristics of a fool are defined, as I just showed you in the book of Proverbs. Now, you can add to that a hundred, hundreds of prime examples in the Bible of men and women that fit those areas, eight areas. In 1 Samuel 26, 1, Saul, Bible says, played the fool. 2 Samuel 3, verse 33, Abner died, the Bible says, a fool's death. Matthew 25, verse 10, you had five, 10 virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. 2 Samuel 24, 10, David confessed that he was a fool with some of the things that he did. 2 Samuel 15, 31, uh, Ahithophel uh, gave foolish counsel. You got Cain, you got Lot, you got Jacob, you got Esau, you got Ahab, you got Jezebel, and a hundred others that will show you these principles in play. And the last part of that verse says, he doesn't open his mouth in the gate. You know why? Because he got nothing to say. Nobody wants to hear it. Let me tell you something. It doesn't take a fool to talk ten words, and everybody who has wisdom knows you're dealing with a fool. A fool is somebody who has been fooled into believing something against the truth of God. And wisdom is too high for them. Now, I'm going to show you why it is. Turn over to Isaiah 55 here, and I want to show you what he's saying here. Isaiah 55, verse 8. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There it is right there. God's ways, His thoughts are higher than yours. 
so a fool can't get to it, because they're too high. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it sh I shall prosper in the thing where I do I send it. Now this is one of the greatest places in all the Bible as it shows you why a fool can never get the truth of God. God's thoughts, God's ways is too high for him. You know, in my life, and I'm prone to be the fool, so I'm just telling that, but in my life, uh, two great verses in my Bible that changed my life and my perspective when it came to the Word of God. I, I told the kids this the other night when I was preaching my final message. I think sometimes people think that I was born with a King James Bible around my neck. You know, that I just came out of my, mama, my, my mama's womb, you know, with a King James Bible in my hand. That's not true. I spent the first 19 years of my life out of fellowship with God. And when I came back and got right with God, when my father passed away, uh, I, uh, I, I just wanted the truth. I think people think sometimes that I have a hobby horse called the King James Bible that I just got. I don't care. If the ASV was the Word of God or the NIV was the Word of God, I'd be just as happy with that. I meet charismatics all the time, and they say, well, you know what, uh, you're against speaking in tongues. No, I'm not against speaking in tongues. If you can prove to me in the Bible where speaking tongues is right, I'd speak in more tongues than all of you. I just want the truth. I don't care what it is. There isn't one thing I believe, one thing I've taught, been taught, one thing that I hold to, that I wouldn't throw it out in 15 seconds if you showed me it was wrong and there was something else in the Bible that took its place that was right. I don't care what it is. I just want the truth. That's all I want. When I got right with God, I didn't know what the truth was. I went back to my church, but I thought, maybe this isn't where it needed to be. So, you know what? I, I studied with the Jehovah Witnesses for a while. Because I thought, if they're the truth, I want it. I don't mind knocking on doors. I didn't do the hairy Christmas bit. I don't look good in sandals with them little bingo bells on your fingers. That didn't mean. I studied with the Mormons. Back to then, I told the kids the other night, back then they had what they called TV guides. Some of you older folks remember that. And a TV guide, they had a little clip-out thing you could mail into the archdiocese or wherever, and they would send you Bible studies. And if you completed the Bible studies, they sent you a little certificate. You could take it to a Catholic church, and you could get baptized and become a Catholic. I still got my certificate. I never used it, but I got it. I wanted the truth. I didn't care. If Jehovah's Witnessism was the truth, I was in. If Mormonism was the truth, I was in. If Charismatics was true, in, I was in. Catholic, I was in. I make a great pope. I was in. But they weren't the truth. I don't care that they're not. And you know, when it comes to the issue of the King James Bible, God's truth, people get on me all the time, you know, like, like I'm some three-headed monster, you know, some false prophet or somebody like that. Let me tell you something, bugwit. I got some news for you. I went through the issues. I'm not like you who just drank the Kool-Aid that somebody at your seminary gave you. I read the works by Dr. Custer out of Bob Jones University. I read the works by Dr. Neal. I read the works by A.T. Robinson in the Southern Baptist Convention. I read the works by James White. I read the works by Westcott and Hort. I read the works by Origen and all his works. Then I flipped on the other side and I saw what Dean Bergen had to say. He wrote a thesis on the King James Bible text back in the 1800s that has never been refuted. But you wouldn't read it. You know why? Because you're prejudiced and you want to say that I am. Why, you little tick on the back side of a dog? I'll tell you what. You want to come in here and open up your Bible? We'll find out. 
Somebody says, well, let's just, we can just agree to disagree. Uh-uh. Maybe, you're, maybe your little tea-drinking guys do that. Real men don't do that. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. I got a great idea. Let's just open up the book and find out who is. Amen. Hey, I'm a fair guy. You call me out, I'll buckle up and beat you in the street at 12 noon. I don't care. <laughs> I've been there. I know what those guys taught. I know what both sides taught. And don't give me this gas about Revelation chapter 24, 2, 2, 14 shouldn't be in your Bible. Hey, let me tell you something. I know why it wasn't and then it was and it is. You don't. Don't tell me about Erasmus. Don't tell me about this or about that. Don't tell me all these things that you got somebody told you. All you did was drink the Kool-Aid. Listen to what they said. If you were put in a room with me and had to open up that Bible, you'd be in trouble. That says nothing to me about me. I'm just telling you, I want the truth. I just didn't wake up one morning and the King James Bible fell off the shelf and hit me on the head and said, I got it. I did the work. I didn't work because I had an argument for it. I did the work because I just wanted the truth. You sit down with me and show me how your NIV is better. I'm with you. I'll do it. I'll dump that thing so fast and start all over again. Uh, you're not looking for somebody here that, that's got an axe to grind or a hobby horse to ride. I just want the truth because it's the truth that will give you everything God has for you. And so I, 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 you know, I just, I was faced with Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse 7, to get God's wisdom or be a fool. And one day God gave me this verse in Luke chapter 24, verse 45. And I'm giving it to you today. You do with what you want to do with it. But I never looked at the Bible the same way again. And he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Wow. Listen, when it comes to getting God's wisdom and getting God's understanding and getting God's mind, which is higher than yours, your education will have absolutely nothing to do with it. And I'll tell you something else. You're a fool to think it will. Your IQ will have no part of it whatsoever. Your degree behind your name will not help you one bit. And you're a fool to think if it will. Listen, if God, listen, if God doesn't open up your understanding and through His Spirit and His Word, you're not getting anything. God doesn't look down and say, wow, you're really smart. I'm going to give you my wisdom. No, God looks down and says, wow, you are dumber than a stump. Here's my wisdom. One time my girls were just little. I mean, they weren't more than five or six years old, maybe not quite that old. We were driving back from Ohio early in the morning, nobody on the road. And we're driving along there, you know, and Barb's asleep. And the two girls are next to me, and we're just looking out there. And, you know, nobody on the road. And this guy comes by in a big, big old Cadillac. And he's laying back in the seat, you know. And he's, he, he's got it, obviously got his cruise control. He's just got his little fingers on the, on the steering wheel. But he looks like he's asleep. And my little gals, they say, Daddy, look, that guy, that guy he's, he's driving a car. He's asleep. 
I said, yeah. I said, that's one of those new cars that they have now that, that you, can, you can sleep in while you're driving. <laughs> Little did I know that today they have them now. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I said, and I'm getting into it. They said, really, Daddy? Really? I said, yeah. You see those, back, he had big mud flaps on it with those little fender things, your skirt, those little things stick out on the fenders, you know? Yeah. And I said, you see those? Those are sensors. It picks up the radium in the white stripes on the middle and keeps it between the two. And I said, did you see, on the back end, you see those two lights next to the taillight? Those are rear sensors that uh, when somebody gets too close, it, 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 it moves forward and moves over. He's got them on the front that it doesn't run into anybody. Really, Daddy? Really? And they're really getting excited. Really, Daddy? Is that what? I said, yeah, absolutely. Can we get a car like that, Daddy? But that time, Barb was waking up, and she says, what's going on? And they told her, I never got chewed out more in my life. <laughs> My point is this. That's the way God wants you. Just dumb enough to believe whatever he tells you. That's what he wants. He wants you to believe whatever he says without saying, well, I think in the critical apparatus of the end of the text, we have the critical, critical of the Greek word of the syllabus of the end. That's not what he's looking for. He just wants to sell it to you and you say, wow. You know what he did with Abraham one time? He took Abraham out, starry night. Him and Abraham looked up at those stars. He said to Abraham, you know what, Abraham? Someday your seed's going to be like those stars. Abraham says, yeah, I believe it. God says, you believe it? He says, yeah. Really? You believe that someday? <laughs> you believe that cockable story? <laughs> your seed's going to be like the stars. Really? You believe that? He says, Lord, if you said it, I believe it. You know what the Bible says? God gave him his righteousness. You know how you got saved? You didn't get saved with your education. You didn't get saved with any work you did. You just got saved by coming to God as a dumb, stupid little child, believing what he said, that 2,000 years ago, some Jew hung on a tree, had enough power in his blood to wash away your sins. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Professor. <laughs> thank you for your critical apparatus. May I tell you where you can... Thank you, Professor. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 2.13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also when you believe. You don't believe it, it don't work in you. Amen. You want to learn the book, you start right there. If God doesn't open up your understanding, you and him alone, <laughs> you're in trouble. Then I'll show you the second one he gave me. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Wow, what an eye-opener this was. He says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, he, now Jesus is rejoicing. This is one of the seven things that his, Jesus rejoices over in the Bible. And he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. You know what he said? I'm rejoicing over the fact that the educated crowd who rejected who I was, you hid the truth from them. You know why? Because they were educated beyond their intelligence. That's why. And that's a great verse. You actually think that the education, it helps you learn the Bible? You're a fool. 
They're not revealed to the wise and the educated and the prudent. They're revealed to us, babies, little children. One time, a bunch of little dirty kids came to the Lord. The disciples tried to shoo them away. And Jesus says, knock it off. Except you come to me as a little child, you have no part of me. You don't bring in your degrees. He's not impressed. You don't bring in your alma mater, which in Latin means holy mother. We don't have time to get into that one this morning. You learn your Bible by following just a few simple concepts to become wise. You know, you receive the book as God's infallible word. You go to work, a workman needs not to be ashamed. And then God will open up your understanding in three simple areas of the Bible. And you'll become, have the wisdom and the understanding. And if you're a fool, you won't. First thing he does is reveal to you the key words. There's about 20 main ones in the Bible and about 10 or 15 secondary ones that if you learn them, they'll put the Bible into the next area that you need to have. Now, I just go and tell you, all these words are changed in all the new Bibles, so you can't do that. The second thing that he'll teach you is about context. Nothing, uh, nothing, nothing, will, nothing will mess you up faster than the Bible of reading a verse or reading a chapter or reading a book and not being able to put it into the context. Establish who the Bible is written to. All the Bible is written, uh, is written for you, but it's not all written to you. And context will be established by the key words. Then the third thing is the definitive passages. That's where it'll lead. You start with the words, you go to the context, and next thing you know, God will show you the definitive passages. The Bible will define everything for you that you don't have to define it yourself. It's just that simple. I'll just say it. It's so simple, a child could do it. You know, most people don't know anything about church history. Then the great heroes of the faith, one of my great heroes was a guy by the name of William Tyndale. He lived in 1494 to 1596. Uh, 1536, excuse me. And uh, he, he was a great hero of the faith. You know, in his day, the common man didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a Bible because the Bible that was around was written in Latin, and most of them did not speak Latin. The school of thought of the day was, by the pastors and by the theologians, was the fact that the Bible was a holy book and it should not be wasted on peasants. Some things never change. William Timbale translated the Latin Bible into English. It was the forerunner of your King James 1611 authorized version. In fact, the King James translators, when they sat down to translate the King James Bible, had Tyndale's Bible on the table. One day in a, in a confrontation with the scholars who, who hated his work and, was, and did not want him to give the common man a Bible in English, Tyndale looked out the window and saw a boy across the way plowing a field. And he looked and he said, Gentlemen, one day that plow boy will know the Bible better than all the scholars in England. And through him, some years later came the King James 1611 authorized version. And as I said, the translators had his, his, his Bible. Tyndale is called the father of the English Bible. And for his labor of love to give you the Bible, for his labor of loving the Bible to the point that he wanted the common man to have it, to take it out of the hands of the hierarchy, the Church of England killed him. 
The high religious leaders of England took him, tortured him, put him at the stake to burn him at the stake, put the wet all around him, and then while he was tied to that stake, somebody went up behind and put a rope around his neck and strangled the life out of him and then set his fire and burned burn him, burn him on fire. October 6, 1536. His dying words. This is why he's my hero. The king of England then was Henry VIII. There was a little animosity here because Henry VIII, you know, gave himself a divorce to get rid of, um, you know, Catherine of Spain to marry Anne Boylan, and uh, that wasn't good too good, and no, Tyndale had written and preached against that. So he's not on the king's side. So all that together with the hierarchy of England and him giving the Bible in English for you and for me down the line got him killed. And the last thing that he said while they were choking the life out of him was, oh dear God, open the king of England's eyes. The last thing he said. Seventy-five years later, God honored that prayer when James I of Scotland came to the throne of England and gave the authorization for the King James 1611 authorized version. You got the book in your hand today, the truth of God, the Word of God. Not because somebody in an air conditioning unit someplace come out and chopped it up and wanted to put it out to give you a Bible to make some money. You got the Bible and the Word of God because there was a man who wanted you to have it in the common language of the common man so desperately that he went against everything in his organized religious world and translated that Bible into English out of Latin so the common man could have the common words of God, that God might be able to open up their understanding, that they could, that, that plow boy, that plow boy, that plow boy would know the Bible better than all the scholars of England. You betcha we do. And 75 years later, God honored that prayer and gave us the King James Bible by which become the standard down through history. And a fool will never get that. A fool can never get because it's so high he can't ever get to it. He's got his education in the way. He's got his theology in the way. He's got his church in the way. He's got his boat. He's got his car. He's got his house. He's got his riches. He's got everything put before this old book right here that will give you everything you need. Well, let's hold up there. Proverbs 24, 7. 